Hello, good evening, and welcome. I'm Simon Bestwick. And I'm Gemma Files, and this is, of course, No Darkness, no darkness But Ours. Welcome to the third and final part of this special edition of No Darkness But Ours, in which we interview Hayley Piper, author of The Worm and His Kings, The Possession of Natalie Glasgow and No Gods for Drowning, among many other titles, about horror, queerness, and her ongoing mission to, in her own words, make horror as gay as fuck. So, here's a question. Uh, we've been talking about fiction a lot. And um, let's talk about, if you're interested in doing that, um, about the ways that uh, recent events have maybe begun to make their way into your fiction. Because I know that, um, you know, uh, I went through a phase where I was like, you know, I'm not not a particularly political person, la la. You know, it's like I, I don't write political stuff. And then um, <laughs> when, when Roe versus Wade was uh, uh, overturned, I just crapped out this story that was one of the most angry things that I've ever written. Um, and which was a pure um, power fantasy, a pure negative power fantasy, you know, a, a pure, you know, put me in coach, you know, I, I, I want to be witch king pope of the, of the world and, uh, you know, just, just uh, punish, punish. <laughs> I will be all three furies at once and do this. Um, yeah. Uh, so, Tell me about that. In, <laughs> What's in the your... question again? <laughs> okay, so the, so the question is, um, life is getting kind of shitty in terms of being, uh, of living in the world, being queer, being out, being, um, you know, being who you are. Um, and uh, do you find yourself uh, reacting to that, um, I mean, you're already your 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 work was already queer as fuck. <laughs> you know, uh, do you find yourself <laughs> reacting to that at all, or are you just like, I'm just gonna double down. I'm just gonna continue to be who I am. I mean, I'm not sure what I could be doing. I suppose that's different from what I was already doing, as far as that exactly. was concerned, because a lot of this stuff. I mean, I don't feel like what's happening this year is really anything new. I think it's just been turned up another notch from the way things have been for years. Yeah, it's, um, more, it's more like the things that people were thinking inside of themselves, they feel empowered to just say outright and act yeah. upon. In a right. Really I just, I think, but I guess, and maybe this is just a matter of like, you know, who I see or where I am. But like, I feel like that's just, I, I, I've been seeing that for a longest time, it feels like. Mm. Um, I, I don't, when I sit down to write, I don't, I'm not really thinking about that stuff, um, to be honest. I, but that doesn't mean it isn't bleeding into the work anyway. Yeah. It just does it without me kind of being like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Like, no, I, I, this stuff comes as kind of instinct. Yeah. It's only really after the fact that I can look back and go like, oh, I guess I was having an issue with this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess that's what that was about. 
Right, right. I mean, and that's, and that's sometimes a matter of interpretation and such, or like, am I just assuming that or what? Um, I mean, it's one of those things like Queen of Teeth, Queen of Teeth was one of those situations where I was just wanting to tell an honest story and I wanted it to feel like me. And I honestly didn't know if it was even going to find a publisher because of how weird it was, uh, let alone, you know, the people who've read it since then. And it definitely was not meant to be prescient or prescient. I'm not sure I pronounced that word, (laughs) Um, but it was not supposed to be something that was predicting like the level of bodily autonomy issues and authoritarian issues and like different things that have happened since it came out that is just like, I couldn't have known that some of this was going to happen. But I think that the, I think that the water has been building to a boil for years. And I I mean, it's kind of those things where it's like, I'm writing with my perspective and if something's in the air, it's going to come out in the story. It's going to come out in the work. Yeah. Um, So I I wouldn't say that I've written anything to be particularly reactive to anything that's going on, but that doesn't mean that it's not happening anyway. I would have to look at what I've been. I definitely think some of the stuff I've done in the past six months has been bleaker than usual, but people aren't going to be reading a lot of that until late next year or even the year after. So they're going to be like, wow, I guess Haley Piper was going through something at this point. (laughs) Yeah. And and the hope is that one day people will be reading it during better times. That is my hope. My hope is that they're going to look back and it's like, well, I'm glad things aren't the way that they were when she was writing this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the uh, <laughs> the the boiling frog water metaphor is one I think about a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a song by Bruce Coburn called "The Trouble with Normal," and the uh, refrain is "The trouble with normal is it always gets worse." It's like the standard. <laughs> yeah. of normal. It's like no, that's, think, that's just I, normal. I think that's I think that's honestly some of what's going on in a nutshell because there's all these people waiting for on one side they're waiting for like a, the apocalypse or whatever and the yes. other side is waiting for the revolution and yep. it's like that's just the world isn't going to end and things are just going to get shittier. Yeah. Um yeah so just slowly you know the same way you, that Right. Unless you work against it. And that has to be your normal. Your normal has to be fighting against this. Yes. Yeah. Even if the only way that you're fighting against it is to live your truth, write your truth, be the person that you are. Yeah. I mean, everyone who is everyone who is being honest with themselves and honest in their in their work and their art and such is doing a little bit i mean that's one of those things there's all this panic about the ai stuff right now and i do agree that using it the way it's being used against artists right now is is wrong but there's people worried about like oh well what about when ai writing starts being more of a thing i'm just like that's why these the indulgences we were talking about earlier on are so important because no you're not going to feed stuff into an AI and it's going to come out with something that has like, you know, a monster with a thousand penises or something. Yeah. No, you're not going to do that. I mean, this is the thing. I I, I don't think it's so terrible to, um, you know, you, you have to be pretty specific about this came out of me feeding stuff into an AI. Um, right. 
because at that point the person feeding it becomes the the artist they're just they're just wanting the ai to do some of the work but i'm yeah, just exactly. like <laughs> you you can't you can only it can only pretend to be human to a certain extent um yeah, whereas we right. don't have to pretend we just are yeah exactly you know hands you know the hands are only going to be as fucked up as we make them <laughs> <laughs> The hands will be, if the hands are fucked up, they will be intentionally fucked That's up. It, right. That's it, right. Intentionally fucked up. Going back to the Worm and his Kings for a second, because, um, I mean, it's a great standalone piece, but there are going to be two sequels forthcoming. Yes. You've got them, Even the Worm Will Turn, which is, is that next year? And yeah, third, it's coming out in 2023. And then the third one, which we're, we're withholding the title for the moment. Will be coming out in 2024. And was that something? I mean, was 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 that kind of, was there always kind of a game plan to to kind of for it for it to be a trilogy or for the story to carry on past the end point of the Worm and His Kings, or was this just something that occurred during or after the writing of the the original novella? Well, um, while writing the novella, there was a lot I had to kind of cut out about mm. the lore and such i i couldn't it was a novella i couldn't and it's already kind of like creeping towards the limit of what a novella could be so that it's like one i couldn't include everything and two it wouldn't have made sense to because monique just wasn't going to encounter a lot of it um right yeah so there was room to to wait there, there was wiggle room to stretch and start to explore other other elements of of this lore and and the ramifications of it um I, but in in writing it, no, I was thinking standalone. Um, that's really my preference, honestly. Like something yeah. that should I, I like things to start as a standalone, and then if there's room to grow or if there's a desire to grow, to move from there. Um, I'm less I'm less interested in, in just starting it off as a series. Um, it's the same with like No Gods for Drowning. I was like, yeah, there's plenty of world to explore, but I wasn't sure while I was writing it if I was going to go back to it. And at this point, like, I know I'm going to go back to it. So right. with The Worm and His Kings, it really was kind of like, well, there's lots of other stuff, but am I going to do anything with it? I don't think so. But people kept talking to me about it and it seemed like there was interest. So I started working on like, okay, how would I explore that? How, what directions would I go in? And Really, that was almost going to be a short story collection of like possible things, but that wasn't really working out either. And I was like, this is not the most interesting way to touch on these subjects. Um, and so then another book, you know, started to develop. And then I was like, and then I'm going to need this one. Um, so, yeah, so it kind of grew as I kept thinking about the ideas. And now, yeah, so now there will be, it will be the Worm and His Kings trilogy. Excellent. I, I remember when I was um, uh, doing the Hexlinger series, uh, originally A Book of Tongues was supposed to be a standalone. And then in every case, I would get to about 80,000 words and go, ah, oh, fuck, no, it's, it's not going to be done by the time <laughs> I get to 100,000. It's just not going to be done. I'm not even going to get to the end of my original um, outline. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like every act of the outline every act of the three act outline became a book um and i remember at the time it was every time i do it you know um my editor would sort of react as though that too was a type of self-indulgence 
revisit an idea as a type of self-indulgence <laughs> to go like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not done yet. I'm <laughs> there's one more. I need I need some more. I need some more, man. You know, and I mean there's there's an intrinsic I, I feel like there's kind of like um we're not completely in control of a lot of this stuff. Yeah. A lot of it occurs to us. I, I like Stephen King's analogy that it's it's very it's like it's like an archaeologist or a paleontologist. You're you're unveiling more. You're discovering it. Um, we're not like I, one of the things with characters, especially um, once they once they find a life of their own in our heads. I feel like we're we we can make them do things. But it's not gonna. It's it's going to ring false, both yeah. to the reader and ourselves. And honestly, I I will know that a character is not doing what they would do because I'll write it and then I'll step away, and it will bother me either yeah, all man. day or until I fix it. Essentially, I'll be like, this isn't right. That's not what they would do. That's not who they are. That's not something that would happen. Like that's ridiculous. Go fix yeah. it. So, yeah. so in no, the same I sense, it's like sometimes a story just isn't finished. I, I, I like the archaeological metaphor. You know, you don't stop halfway through excavating, you know, a, a creature and go like, no, I'm, I'm shit, there's too much of this. You know, yeah. it's like, oh my God, Skeleton's another leg. too big, just bury it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, more legs? What the fuck? Nobody have... needs a dinosaur that big. <laughs> Yes. Well, I have got I have got one I've only partially unearthed. It was going to be a full, sorry, it was going to be a single volume novel, um, spanning about a five year period. And then I got to the end of like, you know, the second year, and it was like Jesus Christ, this thing is like one hundred seventy thousand words already. <laughs> so I think this will have to separate into some volumes. And of course, I've shopped it around to a few agents, and a lot of it's not not right for the market at the moment. Blah blah. So it's you know I put it aside and. I mean, by the time I put it aside, I was obviously sick to the back teeth of all these characters and very much wanted yeah. to meet some new ones. And so it's been so at some point I'll hopefully go back to it, but uh, not for not for the for the foreseeable future. But it, as you said, this is one of the reasons I'm increasingly I prefer to write like you only I prefer to write standalones, because if you're trying to write a series and, or you start to write a series and no one's interested in taking it further, then you're left with this kind of unfinished um either left with an unfit with the within a kind of unfinished arch or you you have to kind of commit to even more time and energy to to finish it on your own on your own dime rather than actually you know writing something that somebody yeah yeah i can't do that that and that's probably why i don't sit sit down to write series because i can't like it, it has to fin i have to finish it i just have yeah. to finish it yeah no, it's true. And I mean, but on the other hand, uh, when you release it into the world, sometimes you discover that um, whoever finds it, however, you know, large or small that audience is, the people who find it and the people who connect with it do want more of it. <laughs> they yeah. are, you know, they, yeah. they you know, they, they'll be sending you email and going, you know, what about so-and-so and so-and-so? You know, it's like, is, uh, are you going to go back to that? And that's one of those other, pro like, I've had so many people, is there going to be a second Queen of Teeth? And I'm just like, I really don't think so. Because, um, especially because, like, okay, that book follows romance rules, even right. though it's a horror book, too. And I so I would have to focus on a new couple 
in that world. So it's not going to be what people are really, and, and with, with kind of whatever's happening to the original books couple in the background. And I'm just like, I'd really have to feel motivated to do that. And I'm just not there right now. And I feel like honestly, what people, when they ask for a sequel, they were like, what happens next with magenta? And I'm just like, but it wouldn't be about magenta. So it would have to be about other stuff. Right. Some other characters. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I am like, I don't, guys, I don't think there's, I don't think that's happening, <laughs> but, but, but it's just one of those things like, and um, I'm sure, yeah, it's just short stories too. It's like, is there going to be a book of this? And I'm like, well, you know, for those of us who write lots of short stories, we can't really write a book for every short story. Otherwise we wouldn't write the short stories. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yep. I mean, sometimes, sometimes a short story will plant the seed that, Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was even the case with um, Benny Rose and, and the Worminous Kings. Um, yeah. yeah, you can't sort of, you can't rely on it. I mean, I I, I, uh, I tend to just tell people, you know, sort of, like, don't ask me, I just work here. You know, I might just <laughs> show up at the, show up at the, I, I show up at the, the, the laptop every morning and, you know, make a, make a cup of tea and write a thousand words. And that's, that's my... And yeah, that, that's my commitment to it, kind of thing. You know, whatever. Well, you know, whatever I, 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 work is somewhere uh, else. Again, the cancerous metaphor. You know, it's like, mm. is there more of this? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm checking moles, but yeah, none of them. Have... <laughs> it's still growing. It's still growing. Not yet. Um, not to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Is there anything that we haven't asked so far that you would like us to have asked? I don't know. I never I never know what I'm supposed to be asked. So as far as I know, you guys have done an amazing job. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Well, good. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Before we go. Um, this, this has been a great conversation. Yeah, it's been uh, really Yeah, nice. I think so too. It's yeah. been a lot of fun. Um, so I've got just two things before you go. I mean... Something I always love to ask writers, if you could put like one piece of your work, be it a novella, a novel, a short story, into like a time capsule so that in 500 years, uh, even, you know, no matter what's happened, if there's any, if it, whatever's evolved, you know, in place of humans, <laughs> maybe can open it and actually read, you know, there's, there'd be like one piece of your, your work still there, definitely still there in 500 years time. What, which one would you pick? I mean, and when you when you phrase it like that, I have a story where someone uh, called Reptile that uh, was in Planet Scum a couple of years ago. That was about a woman who became a human time capsule um, okay. because her sister trapped her behind this like time door thing. And when she popped out, it had been like 50 years or something. And right. she essentially made an agreement with the government to keep going into this door and coming out again so that they could kind of preserve history and such. But then she ends up uh, surpassing the lifetime of humans because only like a second would pass for her and years would pass over the other side. So she's like, by the end of the story, there's these uh, people who have evolved from fungi who, um, who are like, oh, we have to bring through the the special one from the door uh, so she can tell us the stories of the old world. And so, so I guess when you phrase it that way, I guess it would be that one because then they'd be like, whoa, what in the meta is this? How the hell did she? How did she know? How did she know? That's great. 
Well, one, one final thing then, because uh, I know you've, you've, the book you've got out right now, No Gods for Drowning, I think this is like probably the biggest biggest thing you've had published. Yes. Am I yeah. right? Do you want to tell people just a little bit about, about that so we can spread the word? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, it's a... It's a horror noir fantasy, dark fantasy book um, about this uh, this world that where humans used to be prey to these kind of like squid mermaid things called glories, um, and all the humans lived on just this little archipelago, and then these gods came down and saved them, and so we're at five thousand years later where the gods have essentially abandoned everyone, and now the glories are trying to eat them again, um, and this. Uh, woman uh lilac is trying to is has essentially become a serial killer because she's trying to to offer people in sacrifice to summon the gods again um and she's being hunted down by detectives she's trying to keep this secret from her from her lover arcadia and um it's it's uh it pretty much takes place in this one city and it's just uh, a lot of people trying to do what they feel is the right thing, and but they all don't agree with each other, so it it ends up in blood. Um, <laughs> as as things do. Yes. Like it's, it. <laughs> it's it it's been interesting the release um, because it's very much it was pitched as this genre blend of horror and noir and you know crime and and uh, dark fantasy. And it's been interesting seeing fantasy fans come to it mm. and some of them being like oh these people these are not nice people these aren't and it's like no they're they're they think but they think they're doing the right thing so you know they've got that going for them but you know, <laughs> the others who are just like this is a bit dark for me and my hope is that you know when you blend genres like that you can bring mm. some people into horror who might not have realized they might like you know, they yeah. might like it this way. They might like some of the bloodshed. They might they might find themselves wanting to indulge. Um fairness, right? <laughs> and, and just and just finding characters who maybe are doing bad things and being like, yeah, maybe they feel a little scandalous reading about it, but they find that they yeah, I want to see what you know, what's she gonna do next? What's what's this yeah. character yeah. gonna do next? So um it's been it's been fun with that, and I hope that people check it out and it's unofficially dedicated to everyone who's complained my novellas are too short so it's 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 the chunker it's 400 pages so hopefully everybody is happy with that <laughs> someone will complain why wasn't it eight why wasn't why were there 800 pages of this you know i haven't <laughs> seen that yet and i hope i don't but that would be funny i'm just like i don't even i don't know if i could write another a book longer than this i'm not even sure yeah. i could write another book that's this long um, it, each story ha to me has to be as long as it needs to be. The only reason it's as long as it is is because there's so many characters and it's this, you know, having to develop this world and such. And hopefully it will be less, uh, less of that to go back to it in the future with short stories and other books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it occurs to me, uh, we keep re returning to this idea of self-indulgence um and uh you know like eh, swimming around in the pool you know the dirty dirty pool of, of horror <laughs> um like, of horror and erotica and body right. horror and you know and power and you know self-destruction and whatever um it it does actually remind me of the way that people used to talk about novels in general back in That's true. the victorian era 
which at that point, those those types of novels where, you know, things like Lady Audley's Secret, it's like, oh, she's not very nice at all. <laughs> you know, it's like, taking lovers and then, you know, refusing to be blackmailed and throwing people down wells. You know? um, and that type of literature used to be called sensation literature. Yeah. So perhaps even more than a literature of emotion, uh, horror is a literature of sensation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in that sense, I think horror and romance are the two things that are, that are, um, still clinging to that in that sense they they, yes. they are we're 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 not indulgent we're upholding tradition yeah exactly <laughs> you will get exactly what you want even if you don't know that you want it even if you think you don't want it and it's okay <laughs> yeah and, that, and that's the big thing with those genres it is okay yes. none of this is actually happening it's nope. okay yeah but you exactly. can take impulses that yeah. normally would be completely unacceptable or you can, you can go further than it would normally be acceptable to go and realize and you, you can take things to an extreme that no, nobody is nobody's actually eating a horse nobody's actually <laughs> eating a person don't worry about it <laughs> all right <laughs> well this has been wonderful this has been really good yeah great great way to wake up <laughs> <That sounds bad. laughs> ah, Gemma weren't you awake yeah. <laughs> uh, this is this is like early evening here in uh, yeah, here in yeah. Britain, just after the first snowfall of the season. So after, oh, wow. three, mugs of, after three mugs of tea and uh, half a raspberry Pepsi Max, I'm uh, more or less uh, more or less functional again. Uh, <laughs> God for Pepsi Max. Um, okay. Well, right. this is yeah. It's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Haley. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is oh, wonderful. No problem. Okay. We would have you back in a second. Absolutely. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, if you've got some, yeah, you've got some, yeah. if you've, if yeah. you've got some new, when you've got, a, when you've got another new book out, you want to, you want to help spread the word. So, so in a year when the other three, the next yes. three are out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Let's okay. indulge ourselves. Yes. All right. yes. Okay. <laughs> A huge thank you to our guest, Hayley Piper, and yeah. we will see you in our next podcast. And until then, I have been Simon Bestwick. I am still Gemma Files, and this, of course, is No Darkness, no darkness. but ours. With a special guest appearance from uh, Gemma's malfunctioning carbon monoxide detector. <laughs> yes, and uh, I, I, I don't know whether you can hear my son blasting Wake Me Up before you, you go, go in the background. No. Uh, Okay, oh, at, least, good. at least it's not last Christmas. This is, if you're oh. going to get one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs>